Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Cherry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast today. We moved to Houston from a two-acre lot, which was perfect for many reasons, for someone with a larger family, namely getting to keep the dog, but we can't stay there today. Big city life is no place for 130-pound Great White Pyrenees with no fence, or so they keep telling me. We had room to host outdoor events there on the two acres. A few times we hosted this couple's picnic. Before the big day, we would spend about a week pouring poison over every ant pile we could find, and we found a lot. We often ran out of poison. There were so many piles, and they were subdued through the picnic until the next week. The hordes would resurface in huge piles. Our ant killer was successful in destroying those particular ant hills we could see. But the greater problem was the underground fortress that likely covered our entire two-acre perimeter. Until we could manage to get rid of what resided below the surface, the intricacies, the massive system of high-tech ant organization, our time was going to be spent fighting fire ants incessantly rather than enjoying the land that God had given us. And I'm wondering... If there is anyone treating ant hills, so to speak, in your spiritual life, those pesky issues, those discouragements, the derailments, the negative thoughts, you treat them, but find they just keep coming back, sometimes with more resilience and in greater force than before. I want to speak to those who may be discouraged, somewhat exhausted, troubled about things in your life and filled with anxiety and even maybe somewhat miserable in those things. You know you are in need of a heaping dose of encouragement. And I found myself right here. I wasn't really looking for a lesson. I wasn't needing a thought-provoking tweet. I wasn't reaching for a blog topic. Most often when I come to living out my calling onto a page or into a microphone, I simply need what you need. I was first encouraged from my bookshelf. Often I am. Charles Spurgeon said this, I shall speak this morning, as he was writing out this sermon, I shall speak this morning to those that are discouraged, depressed in spirit, and sore troubled in the Christian life. Charles Spurgeon was discouraged in his discourse, he gave an example of where he was, that he felt like what he had done in the Lord had been forgotten. Seriously? This is, this is in volume four of his sermons. That's a 20 volume set from the 1800s. He preached without a microphone, without heat or air conditioning, without a praise band, with no video or comic relief to accompany his very serious tone. And yet 20,000 people would come weekly. He liked to kill himself preaching. He had to take an extended break. Not sure he would ever return. That guy needed encouragement. That guy. He asked for prayer in this sermon that I read. He asked for prayer from his congregation. 
and for anybody who was reading it. He stated it in front of God and everyone, his desperate need of the Holy Spirit to intervene in his life because this man of God, this pillar, was discouraged and troubled. And oh, did it come. We know it came because of the testimony that he has and the impact that he had. And he kept going. Do you know how he got it? He stirred up his faith. He participated with the Holy Spirit and he stirred up his faith. He got rid of his fire ants, so to speak. He stopped treating the symptoms. He went underground and declared war on the fire ants and stopped messing around with anthills on the surface. You have been pretty effective in putting out poison periodically and killing the anthills. But it's time to address what lies under the surface. Paul gives us the perfect reminder as a word of encouragement in 2 Timothy 1. Sort of his ant-annihilating, faith-stirring solution. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. He's talking to Timothy, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm convinced is still in you as well. We're called to remember how you got here. And that's what Paul is doing. He's calling Timothy to remember how you got here. And that is the first step to stirring up your faith. If you're a believer in Christ, you have a history with God. And Paul is calling to remembrance Timothy's heritage in the faith to stir up his own recollection that there is legitimacy there. It is real, Timothy. Don't sell yourself short. There is faith in you and you have been taught well. You and I build history with God and it's ever so important to remember how we got here. There is evidence in having that secure in your heart and in your brain because the enemy is sly. It's important to remember how you got here because it helps you and I in the second area to remember who you are not. You're not the gal you used to be. You're not the gal you used to be at all. For God gave us, Paul continues with Timothy, not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. That's verse 7. And then in Romans, we find this. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by who we cry, Abba, Father. And that's 8.15. My problem is... I fixate on my own lowliness, on my own weaknesses, my inabilities, and my very limited resources. I don't find myself here when the task is easy, or when I have enough money in the bank to handle it, or when I have enough time, or when I know exactly what to do. It's when I am and what I possess is not going to be enough to get the job done, or the job I want to do, or the possessions in life I'm longing for looks like will never materialize spiritually speaking those sort of longings that's when the fear takes over that's when I become discouraged and fear becomes the great reminder that I couldn't do it in the past that I really screwed up before that I'm really terrible for God to select me for this in the first place and I have evidence to prove it that I've never been trained to do anything close to the thing looming out there that I think I'm supposed to do that God has not come through for me before the way I wanted him to, what would make me think he would do it now? Those sort of things. We don't know if Timothy was in the midst of discouragement, but scholars believe Paul senses the end for his own ministry is is almost here. So he takes the opportunity to pass his notes on for finishing the race well and living out his calling. He's learned a thing or two. 
Paul knows the dangers of discouragement, the power of persecution to destroy a minister, and the questions we ask ourselves in our loneliness, in our despair, in our exhaustion. So he encourages Timothy to remember how you got here and remember who you are not. And when it comes to stirring up our faith, it's also essential to remember that it's not up to you. It's not up to you. In Luke 24, we find this, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. This is Jesus speaking. But stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. That's verse 49. And then in John 14, 27, we have, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then in Acts 1, 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses the holy spirit is what comes upon us and he does this work in and through us but it does not come the way we expect or the way you and i want it always i expect to go out with my ant killer and go to town on those piles and be done with it but that's not how it works is it no the holy spirit does a work that's sort of like dealing with my intricacies of ant cities that are underground in a way I can't see, I can't take credit for, and nor do I really understand how it's all happening. He does the work in me and through me, and it usually requires weakness on my part. Paul tells the Corinthians about this proverbial thorn in his flesh that he begged God three times to take away in chapter 12, 2 Corinthians. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is Paul's response, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulty. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Remembering that it's not up to you or up to me is where we can begin to make headway on those underground systems of destruction in our lives are you ready to declare war on the permeating fear that is in your life on the recurring discouragement on the negative cycles of doubt then you and i must continue to work towards stirring up our faith by accepting weakness in exchange for his strength in this march towards stirring up your faith please keep in mind you have been well equipped with the holy spirit For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving or cringing or fawning fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. That is the amplified version of 2 Timothy 1, 7. We have been given love. We have been given power, a calm and well-balanced mind. We have been given the discipline to do whatever he's called us to do and the self-control The strength in the face of persecution. That is what that is. Strength in the face of persecution. All of this equipping enables you and I to be equipped to stir up our faith. So he says in verse 6 right before this, Stir up, rekindle the embers of, fan the flame of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the laying on of my hands. That's what he's talking to Timothy about stirring up. He's calling us to do this. 
This is how we participate in the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying we cannot fully experience the calling on our lives, that fruit-bearing life, wallowing in timidity, in cowardice, or craven and cringing and fawning fear. We cannot experience what the Holy Spirit can do and what He wants to do within us to profoundly affect our spheres of influence when we were caught up treating the symptoms of an underlying universe in our hearts, such as fear. We have been given the power and the authority to stir it up, to fan it into flame, that which is in you and in me. Well, what does it look like to fan this into flame? The gift of God in our lives. Killing the fear or the timidity or whatever else is keeping you from working that fan. Snuff it out. Don't give it an opportunity. We give so many opportunities to the things that destroy us on the insides. Mental opportunity, physical opportunity, and we need to put a stop to that individually. Bring out the weapons. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we live in the world, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we demolish strongholds and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We fight against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of darkness and the heavenly realm. It's not your spouse. It's not your boss. It's not your mother-in-law or that neighbor down the street or that co-worker that's driving you absolutely batty. The second thing we do is we feed the fire. We do this with prayer, with the word. We read it. We study it. And we make the most of every opportunity to grow that relationship with God. We find opportunities to buy up the time we've been given. We do not waste it. And finally, in our efforts to stir up our faith, we trust the fire starter. And take him at his word in your weakness. (laughs) Take him at his word in your weakness. We can't wait on him to fix all of our struggles on the inside to be a better person. No, it's in our weakness. Jeremiah 46 says, Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant. Do not be dismayed, O Israel. I will surely save you out of a distant land, your descendants from the land of their exile. Jacob will again have peace and security, and no one will make him afraid. In the next verse, Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, for I am with you, declares the Lord. He will do what he says he will do. This Paul knows. He says, basically, annihilate the fear. The disappointments that will come, the setbacks, the derailments, and you will have them. The hurricanes of your life. Your life is not going to be a picnic. It's a lot of ant killing underground. You want to do big things for God? You have to expect trouble, suffering, and a whole lot of responsibility that you can't possibly meet on your own. But in the end, after everything he had experienced, the setbacks, the horrible loneliness, the rejections, the abandonments, the shipwrecks, the beatings, all those things you and I really can't possibly imagine happening to us in our world today. Paul encouraged Timothy in this way. Still, I'm not ashamed, for I know him who I have believed. And I am positively persuaded that he is able to guard and keep that which has been entrusted to me and which I have committed to him unto that day. That's verse 12. Your God can be trusted. He is worth it. The bad days, the setbacks, the problems, the disappointments, the discouragements, they will come. I know they will come. But he is so faithful to stir up your faith with you helping. And participating 
Stir up your faith. Let the Holy Spirit move to make a great impact for the kingdom because you worked alongside him to stir it up. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing a resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.